scripture from the Old Testament comes to us from Psalm 51 this morning. Here's David's confession of sin, his confidence in God's forgiveness, his prayer for God to work in his heart and for his sanctification and his acknowledgement that God receives him and us when we come to him in brokenness for our sin. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, and let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. By your favor do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. God bless to us the reading and hearing of His Word. Let's ask for God's blessing on His Word now. Let's pray. Lord, we have just sung about the greatness of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can do helpless sinners good. We know that is true for those who are outside of you. It is only the work of Jesus Christ who will bring them to salvation. And Lord, it's also true for us who are even in you. We need Jesus' work uh, in all areas of our life. We pray that now through the Holy Spirit, you would do that perfect work as we come to hear your word. We pray that we would see Jesus, his compassion, and his power clearly, and that that would change us, change how we think, change how we feel, change what we do. Give us a heart to love and serve you. And we pray this in Jesus' name alone. Amen. Amen. This morning our sermon is coming from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. That's Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. And we've been going through the Gospel of Mark together. And this morning we get to the end of the first chapter as we take a a look, a snapshot really, 
of all of Jesus' ministry. So let's start reading then in verse 40. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. I know the, uh, the, the expression cleanliness is next to godliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Have you heard that phrase before? You probably used it yourself. I think the point of it is it's supposed to teach us how important being clean and tidy really is. It's usually my experience from a mother or grandmother to a very messy child. Um, it means that the, really that the only thing more important than being clean is loving God. But we know that's not actually true, right? That's not true in our day-to-day lives. We know that there are so many other important things in our lives as well. It's not true in our normal life, and it's certainly not true in our spiritual lives as well. But actually for a very different reason. Because being spiritually clean isn't just next to godliness. It isn't just important on the side. No, being spiritually clean is a vital part of our godliness. In fact, being clean from sin is part of our salvation. That's what Jesus does when he saves us. Jesus washes us. He cleanses us from our sins so that we can now have a relationship with our holy God. And that spiritual truth is what we're going to see in the passage this morning. That leads us to our main idea. Jesus cleanses us, his people, from our sin. Again, Jesus, what is he doing? He cleanses us, his people, from our sin. You see that in three basic points as we look at this story. We see Jesus cleanses a man, verses 40 to 42. We see then Jesus commands a man, same man in verses 43 to 45. And third and finally, we're going to see that Jesus cleanses and commands us as well. So Jesus cleanses a man. That's at the heart of the story. Now, this is one of Jesus' miracles. In the past few weeks, we've seen a large number of Jesus' miracles. Jesus cast out many demons, and Jesus healed many sick people. And we've seen that Jesus' miracles, those things that he did, were part of his mission. When Jesus cast out demons, he was beginning to destroy Satan's kingdom. And when Jesus healed the sick, he was beginning to defeat sin and to restore creation. All of this is part of the good news that the kingdom of God has come in Christ. And in our passage, Jesus continues his work. He cleanses a leper. And this miracle, too, is part of Jesus' bigger mission 
to bring salvation. Let's look at the story together. Verse 40. And a, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. When we read this story about a man coming up to Jesus, it seems like it's just going to be another story about a person that Jesus will heal. What's the difference between this man, for instance, and Simon's mother-in-law who had the fever? But this story is going to be very different because we have a different kind of person here. This man is a leper. That means he has a very serious skin disease. It could be what we know of today as leprosy. It could be another kind of skin disease. Just think about leprosy today, though. That's a very serious disease. It takes up to a year to cure leprosy. In the Old Testament, though, leprosy is much more serious than just a disease. Because God used leprosy to teach the people about their sin and also about their need for salvation. How did God do this? Well, if you've been reading the Old Testament, you know that there are many laws in the Old Testament about things which were clean and unclean. For instance, when you read through the book of Leviticus, you read many of those laws, laws that have to do with eating certain animals or body functions or laws about leprosy or mold or touching a dead body. There were many things in the life of Israel that would make you unclean. If I asked any child who's here this morning about being clean or unclean, they'd probably talk about germs and dirt, washing your hands. That's usually what you and I mean when we're talking about clean and unclean. In the Old Testament, though, we're talking about clean and unclean in our relationship to God, being spiritually or morally unclean. If you were clean, that was great. That meant that you could come and worship God. But if you were unclean, you were separated from God and from his people. But if you read those laws carefully, there is always a way back. There is always a way back. Sometimes God said you had to wash your clothes and take a bath. Sometimes for more serious cases, like leprosy, for instance, you had to offer a sacrifice. But in each case, there was always a way back into God's presence. And God gave these laws to teach the people about how their sin separates them from a holy God. But also, also about the salvation that he offers. He always offers a way back to salvation and restoration. That's the big picture behind this story we have today. Leprosy was one of the most serious cases of being unclean. Listen to this um, from Leviticus, this passage. This describes what would this, a person who is a leper would have to do. The leprous person who had the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. It could be his entire life. He will remain unclean. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That's pretty serious. And that is the kind of man who came up to Jesus. You can imagine the shock of what he must have looked like as he came running to Jesus. His skin was destroyed. 
He had long hair and torn clothes. But can you imagine the greater shock of this man coming up to Jesus and kneeling down in front of him on the ground? This was a man by the law who was required to stay far, far away from others. And a good Jew like Jesus would have left him alone. But Jesus is this man's only hope. That's what drives him to come to Jesus. Look at the leper's faith. Very simple. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. Saying, Jesus, I know you have the power to make me clean. If you want to do it, you can do it. It'll be no problem. You can heal me. And more than that, you can make me clean. You can make it so I can come back into God's presence and be with God's people again. And the question is, Jesus, do you want to do this? And Jesus does. Look at verse 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. So we look at that verse. Look at what Jesus feels, what Jesus does, and what Jesus says. In this verse, we get a good, long look at Jesus' heart. We see what he feels. Jesus acts because he is moved with pity. Jesus Christ is filled with pity and compassion. Now, if, if you were there that day, you might have had compassion and pity as well when you saw the leper. I mean, think about today. When I see a picture, for instance, on Facebook of a, of a starving child, or I, I go to visit someone, maybe in the hospital, who's suffering, I feel compassion for them, right? I care about them, and I, I care about their suffering. Jesus' compassion goes so much deeper than our compassion does, though. Think about it. Jesus cares about this leper's physical suffering. He cares that he is sick. And he cares about us when we suffer as well. We know that to be true. But Jesus goes further. He cares about this man's spiritual suffering as well. That's something we often forget when we deal with one another. Here is a man, think about this. Here is a man who has been separated from God. He is never allowed to go to the temple to worship God until that leprosy disappears. That could be years and years and years. He could die never getting a chance to worship God again. That is spiritual suffering. That is difficulty. But even deeper than that, Jesus cares about the source of the suffering. Why is this man suffering? It's sin. This man has leprosy because sin has ruined the world. Okay, He doesn't have leprosy because he did something wrong. We see that in another story of Jesus' healing. That's not the problem. The problem is not his own sin that caused the leprosy. No. He lives in a world that is corrupted by sin. And Jesus has compassion as he looks at this leper because that man is powerless to break sin's grip on the world and on himself. That's what Jesus feels. Jesus feels deep compassion and pity. So what does Jesus do then? How does he actually act? It's very simple, but very profound. He reaches out and he touches the leper. Jesus did not have to do that. We've already seen that Jesus can heal simply 
by speaking. He can just speak, and this man would have been cleansed. And Jesus, as he touches the man, is also not just trying to be nice. We all know it's very comforting if someone touches us when we're suffering. But Jesus is doing way more than that. This is Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One, touching uncleanness, touching sin. He's not pushing it away because he's holy, but in a sense, as he touches this man, he is taking that uncleanness, that sin on himself, without becoming sinful as a result. He is doing this. He is touching the man because he is both holy and loving. This this touch of Jesus is actually a tiny picture of the amazing truth of the incarnation that Jesus took on our nature. He entered into our world, a sinful world, in order to save us. Jesus feels compassion. He reaches out to touch the man, and then he speaks. And he says, I will be clean. Jesus expresses his love and power in these words. It's actually in the hymn that we just sang. Come ye sinners, poor and wretched. I love the line, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, joined with power. That's what we see in Jesus' words here. Pity, joined with power. Jesus desires to save this man from his condition. And Jesus alone is the one who has the power to save this man because Jesus is God. And here's the result. Verse 42. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. What a miracle. No one else could do this. What a savior. Jesus worked to make this man clean so that he could have restored fellowship with God and with God's people. If a miracle like this happened today, what would your response be? And most of us would probably start talking about it. We'd want to tell everybody about what we just saw. There was this leper and he came and Jesus touched him and said something and he was clean. We'd be talking about it, be on Facebook, we'd be texting our friends. But that's not what Jesus wants in this passage. Jesus wants silence. So what we see secondly then is Jesus commands this man in verses 43 to 45. It's kind of surprising for us. Look at verses 43 to 44. Jesus sternly charged him and and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So you hear Jesus' words there. The, The second part of what he says makes sense to us. Because in the book of Leviticus, if a man was cured of leprosy, He had to have a priest check to see the disease was gone. And he had to make specific sacrifices to God. So Jesus is telling this man, go obey the law of God. But Jesus also commands this man to say nothing to anyone. That is very surprising. I mean, wouldn't this be great publicity? I mean, if Jesus wanted followers, this would be the way to go. But also in a more... You know, holy sense, wouldn't this also bring glory to God? If more people saw the miracle, heard about it, wouldn't this bring more glory to God? We've actually seen Jesus, though, work the same way in the previous verses. Every time he's cast out a demon, he did not let them speak 
And why? Because they knew him. Jesus does want to bring glory to God. He is doing amazing things, but he is telling the demons, and he's telling this man now not to say anything about who he is or what he does because the time is not yet right. People will not understand who Jesus is and what he has come to do until the total work is done. Really, until he has died on the cross and been raised from the dead, until he has actually accomplished salvation and he has brought the kingdom of God. Remember the crowd that we met in last week's passage? They were looking for Jesus because of his miracles, but they were not looking for the right reasons because what they wanted is they wanted more miracles. They wanted more excitement, but they didn't understand Jesus or his mission. Jesus points out this very same problem many times in his ministry. Think about when he, when he feeds the 5,000. Amazing miracle. So many people saw it. And afterwards, the next day, people came to, them, came to him and he told them that the reason they came was just to get more bread. Not because they actually saw or understood what he did. Similar thing is happening here. He is commanding the man to go obey the law and not to tell anyone because the crowds and this man will misunderstand and twist Jesus' identity and mission. This man does not obey Jesus. Look at verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. We could say this man is, he's full of zeal, but he's definitely not full of obedience. But this, this man's disobedience, as great as it is, does not derail Jesus' ministry. His ministry is now changed. He can't go into the towns as easily, but people continue to come to him wherever he is. It's really striking, actually, in this passage. Think about where Jesus and the leper end up. Jesus and the leper have changed places. The leper, when he had that leprosy, he had to live outside of the town, away from the people, because of his uncleanness. Now Jesus, by taking away the leper's uncleanness, taking it on himself, where is he? He's now out in the desolate places. This story actually captures the character of Jesus' ministry. He takes the place of sinners. He takes the place of you and me in order to bring salvation. That's really where I want to go in our third point. I want to think about what this story means for you and for me. What does this passage have to do with us? And it showed, this passage shows us that Jesus cleanses and commands not just that man, but Jesus cleanses and commands us. And Jesus, remember, cleansing the leper is part of, of Jesus' work of salvation, just like when he healed the sick and just like when he cast out demons. When Jesus cleansed that leper, what he was doing was he was giving a sign of what he came to do. And that work, that act of cleansing was also part of what he came to do. 
And the reality for us today is that you and I and everyone in this world need cleansing from Jesus. We don't need cleansing from uncleanness like in the Old Testament. You and I and everyone in the world need cleansing from what uncleanness pointed to, from sin. I think many of us would like to believe that we are just spiritual lepers, right? That yes, we have a serious spiritual problem, we'll admit that, but it's only skin deep, right? It's mainly external. Maybe if I just scrub with the right kind of spiritual soap, it'll go away. Maybe if I'm just a good person, if I keep going to church or something like that, my spiritual problem will be fixed. But that is not true. We are sinful to the core. You and I are sinful by nature. We're conceived like that. We're born like that. We live like that. Look at Romans 1 and what Paul says, or think about what we just heard from Psalm 51. We are sinful to the core of our being. And what that that nature then, that sinful nature, comes out in who we are and what we do. Paul is great for this. If you look at the letters of Paul, he so often just drills in on our sins, drills down on our sins to show us what our problems are. Let's just take one example, Galatians 5. He's describing our sins outside of Christ. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, origin, orgies, and things like these. That is you and me without Jesus Christ. That is everyone in the world without Jesus Christ. And we cannot get rid of our sin on our own. We can't do that any more than the leper could have gotten rid of his leprosy by himself. Sure, I mean, someone can change their habits, right? They can even hate the things that they do, but it is God alone who can bring true change. It is God who changes our hearts and brings us to repentance and faith, to a true hatred of our sin, and then brings us to obedience. So you and I need Cleansing. We need cleansing of our entire nature. And that is exactly what Jesus does. When Jesus saves us, he cleanses us from our sin. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 6.11. Paul's writing to Christians. He's writing to you and me, and he's describing our salvation. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Did you hear that? You were washed. Past tense. That happened in the past in your Christian life. That is definitive. We are cleansed from our sin. Or listen to 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Or again, Hebrews 9 Hebrews is full of how Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament. Listen to how Jesus does this. Romans 9, 13 to 14. The author's looking back in the Old Testament, showing Jesus is better. It says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer, if those things sanctify for the purification of the flesh, all the Old Testament things, how much more 
Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will that purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Those Old Testament sacrifices, what that leper would have done at the temple, that could only purify the flesh. That was skin deep. But the blood of Christ purifies us completely. See it in Scripture in these verses. Also think about the sign of baptism. Why do we baptize? Part of the reason we baptize, part of the picture and the reality of baptism is that Jesus, just as surely as the water washes you from the dirt on your skin, Jesus cleanses you from your sin. What's the result of? What happens when Jesus cleanses us from our sin? Very similar to what happened with the leper. We are now able to have a relationship with God again. We can actually come into God's presence. A holy God. We can stand before Him right now. That's what we're doing. We are standing in God's presence and we don't have to be afraid of His wrath. We know He's holy, but we also know because we've been cleansed, our sin has been dealt with by Jesus. If you believe in Jesus Christ and are saved, you have been cleansed from your sin. You know, I know that we, we still have sin. We, we certainly are not made perfect yet. We, we struggle with sin daily. But remember this. We are cleansed. We have been changed. This is irreversible. We're not going back to be sinners again. Jesus has cleansed us. Our sinful nature is replaced. And when Jesus does that work, he's taken away the penalty and the power of sin in our lives. He hasn't taken away the presence of sin in our lives. That's why we still struggle. But we have the promise that God is at work in us to slowly but surely conquer that remaining sin in our lives. And we have the promise of God also that He will remove all sin from us. He'll complete that cleansing process when we die and we're with Him or when He returns, whichever comes first. This is the gospel. This is the message Of our salvation, we have been cleansed by Jesus Christ. And now, today, Jesus commands those he has cleansed to speak. To tell others about what God has done in Jesus Christ and done for us in Jesus Christ as well. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, after his work has been complete, now all believers are Jesus' messengers everywhere. That means you and I are Jesus' messengers right here and right now. Listen to what Jesus commands in the Great Commission. The Great Commission is Jesus' command for His church. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is Jesus' command for those first apostles. That's who he gave it to. This is Jesus' command to his leaders of his church today, like pastors. But this is also a command for all of Jesus' people to spread the good news in appropriate ways to all nations. Here in Yorktown, in this area and even to the very ends of the earth. 
have you experienced the cleansing of Jesus? Have you put your faith in Jesus and been washed clean of your sin by his blood? If you haven't, turn to Jesus and be saved. If you trust in Jesus, Jesus can and will cleanse you from any and all sins. There is no sin in your life too bad or too deep or too great that Jesus' blood cannot reach and cannot cleanse. And there is no sin too bad or too deep or too great that Jesus' blood will not reach and cleanse. Because Jesus has deep compassion for you in your sin, and Jesus alone has the power to fix your problem with sin. Turn to Jesus Christ and be cleansed from your sin. If you're like me, and you know that saving power of Jesus, I want to ask you, do you feel the same compassion that Jesus has for the lost? The same compassion that we see in this chapter. The same compassion for those who need Jesus' cleansing today. Jesus was moved with pity when he saw this leper. Are you and I moved with pity when we meet someone who does not truly know Jesus? Someone who is hopelessly lost in their sin. It's true their lives, on the outside their lives might look all put together, but inside they are spiritually dead and they are falling apart. I'm afraid as I look at my life, um, I'll speak for myself, I don't know, often or always feel that way. You know, we're busy, we're tired. Sometimes, to be honest, we just don't care. Or we're on spiritual autopilot. You know, I'll just keep going, I'll do my thing, and I'll get to heaven. That is not how Christ felt about you. And how Christ felt about me when he saw us in our sins. He was not too busy for us. He was not too tired. He cared about us. He did not just see that end goal somewhere over there and ignore us along the way. We are the goal of Jesus' work. To save a people for himself. If Jesus was not too busy, not too tired, not too occupied, when he saw you, that's an encouragement. This is the way that we should feel about others. Feel like Christ. Have compassion on the lost. But how is that going to happen? I can tell you that I can tell myself that on a Monday morning. Telling yourself is not enough. Trying to drum up this feeling is not enough. It's not going to work. The only way we can do this is if Jesus does the work for us in our hearts. We need to be praying as individuals in our daily lives. We need to be praying as a church that we would increasingly have the heart of Christ. That is a prayer that Jesus will answer. We pray according to what he has revealed in his word. And he says, if you ask in my name, and you're asking according to my will, I will do it. Jesus has cleansed us, and he wants us to have that same compassion and love that he had for us, 
for the rest of his people. That is a prayer that Jesus will answer. You and I cannot cleanse somebody from their sin. There are so many people that I would love to save. Relatives, friends, people I've met. I can't cleanse them from their sin. But I can love them. I can love them through Jesus' power in me. I can love them where they are and I continue to point them to Christ because Christ is the one who can and will do that work. He's done it for me. He's done it for so many of you and he will do it for all of his people. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a Savior who cleanses us from our sin. Lord, it is amazing to see what you have done through your sacrifice on the cross. Your blood is what makes us clean. Nothing else could ever fix our problem with sin. Nothing else could take away our sin and cleanse our very natures. But you had compassion on us. While we were yet sinners, you loved us. And you came to die for us. And now you are at work to save your people, to take that blood and to wash us clean and to continue to cleanse us, to continue to take away the remaining sin in our lives and make us more like you. Lord, help us not to live a single day without giving thanks to you for your work and praying to you for your power today in our lives and your power to save in the lives of the people around us. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.